Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Here is a one-volume big book on the history of the Christian church. Church history is fascinating. Go to the Christian bookstore and buy one of those thick volumes on the history of the Christian church. It really is interesting stuff. What I want to do for this half hour is to condense the 2,000 years of Christianity into four minutes, kind of crazy, but then what I want to share is life lessons for our own personal lives from the history of the church. So before we begin, let's pray. Father, as we think back on the last 2,000 years, we would pray that you, Lord God, would teach us how we are to be Christians today in our age. And we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The history of Christianity in four minutes. Here we go. Jesus died on the cross about 33 A.D. He rose from the dead. He ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit is sent down. The disciples get filled, and they start evangelizing the world, the Roman Empire. Then for the first 300 years of Christianity, the Roman Empire gets evangelized, but it is a difficult time in the history of the church with Christians being thrown to the lions, boiled in oil, one Roman emperor after another trying to destroy the Christian faith. Until 313 A.D., Constantine becomes emperor of the Roman Empire. He legalizes Christianity, and then before he dies, he converts to Christianity. And we leave the period of persecution for the period of prosperity. And after the 300s or so, there was kind of a union between church and state, and the church really prospered. Well, the unity and prosperity came to a halt about 455 A.D., when the barbarians invaded the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire fell. After the fall of the Roman Empire came the Dark Ages, a time of political and moral chaos. During the Dark Ages, what kept civilization alive were the monks and the monasteries in England and Ireland and, and Italy, and they kept learning and culture and ancient writings alive. Then eventually came the Renaissance, the rebirth of the arts, and then quick after that came Martin Luther in 1517, nailing his 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral in Germany, and came what's called the Reformation. And it was a great time of political change and theological uh, uh, turmoil and change when the church rediscovers, we're saved by the grace of God, not good works, and the church, the reformers tried to get the church back to the Bible. Well, let's move all the way to the present age. I'm going to call this present age the age of heresy. And over a hundred years ago, some Lutheran German professors in Germany started teaching that you cannot trust the Bible. And Rudolf Bultmann, a Lutheran German professor, said we have to demythologize the New Testament, get rid of things like Christ's resurrection, because it didn't really happen. 
that liberal teaching infected the seminaries of Europe. And you go to Europe today, the churches are empty. This heresy came over to the United States, infected the seminaries here, and now we've got mainline liberal Protestantism, which is a mess. <laughs> that is the history of the church in four minutes. I mean, I went to one of these liberal Protestant seminaries where one of the professors didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Other professors don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven because there is no hell. Everybody goes to heaven. Other professors, lots of them, don't believe in the virgin birth of Christ. And this is all the present age of heresy. When you've got Protestant churches paying for abortions, when you've got Protestant churches doing homosexual marriages, something has happened. There are still many good churches. I hope you all find a good church and go. But that is the state today of the church. So what we have in four minutes, persecution, prosperity, the dark ages, and then heresy. What I want to do for the rest of this sermon is to ask the question, what can we learn from all of this for our own personal lives? Well, here's the lessons I get from church history. Number one, be faithful during persecution. Are you being persecuted for your faith right now? I read that years ago there were Methodist and Presbyterian missionaries working in Japan and some of the Japanese started persecuting the Methodists and one Presbyterian was overheard saying what's wrong with us Presbyterians nobody's persecuting us <laughs> and are you being persecuted at work for your faith well if you are God bless you because here's the promise of Jesus Revelation 2:10. behold be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. During the Reformation in the 1500s, Jane, Knox, Jane Welsh was the daughter of John Knox, famous Scottish reformer. And one day, Jane Welsh got a knock on her door, soldiers at the door. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Welsh, come to us to prison. Convince your husband to renounce his Protestant faith, and we will let him go. And Jane Welsh daughter of John Knox, picked up the edges of her apron. Sirs, I would rather catch my husband's head in this apron than that he should deny our glorious teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> First lesson I learned from the church is to be faithful when you're persecuted. My, when I was little, my dad was a football coach at Omaha University, and one of his football lines that I heard growing up was, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the first 300 years of Christianity, the going got tough under persecution from the Roman Empire. But what I learn is, be willing to suffer for Christ. Here's a Bible verse you don't hear quoted very often. For 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to young Timothy, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's a promise. So the first lesson is, be faithful even if they kill you. Next lesson I learned from the history of the church. Be faithful during prosperity. Remember, after the persecution of the church came the prosperity of the church. I think it's easier to be a Christian under persecution than it is under prosperity. I'll give you my example. I went to pagan 
Grinnell College in Iowa, where the Christian faith was mocked and ridiculed. And then I transferred from Grinnell to Christian Bethel College in St. Paul. But you know what? I was closer to God at Grinnell, where you had to fight for your faith, than I was at Bethel. I think the day of prosperity Christianity in America is maybe coming to a close. I think persecution very well may start now in the United States toward those who stand for the Bible. I saw a Chinese pastor who's been in and out of prison for his faith many times say this, don't pray for an end to the persecution of the church in China. He said, persecution, good for church. <laughs> I don't think American Christians, and I include myself on this, are handling our prosperity very well. I turned on the TV a while ago, and here's a Christian preacher speaking in front of a large crowd. I'm not making this up. And he says, money is coming to me. Some of the people in the crowd, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He says, money is coming to me. He said it over and over again. By the look of his suit and everything else, you could tell money had come to him. But listen, I hope I would die before I would turn the gospel of Jesus Christ into a money-making scheme. And let me tell you a prayer that I force myself to pray periodically. It's not easy to pray this prayer, but it comes right out of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Here's the prayer. See if you can pray it. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So let me ask you, how are you handling your prosperity as a Christian? Do you tithe? Does 10% of your income go to the Lord? And those of you who do tithe, do you also give offerings? Do you give above and beyond your, your, your tithe to, to Christian ministries? Third lesson that I learned from church history be faithful during chaos. The Dark Ages were a time of chaos for the church, and today, turn on the TV set, we live in an age of moral chaos, where scientists are telling us nothing wrong with using abortion to harvest parts for stem cell research. Nothing's wrong with, some scientists are saying, nothing's wrong with human cloning. You've got the President of the United States promoting gay marriage. You've got now some of our states allowing recreational marijuana use. Um, you know, on and on it goes, but uh, these are days of moral chaos and Christian. What I learned from the history of the church is be faithful to Christ in days of moral chaos. If the whole world is telling you something is right, but the Bible says it's wrong, you follow the Bible. Here's a woman who converted to Christ, and one lady at her office says, well, what's the difference now between you and me now that you're a Christian? And the Christian said, one letter. You follow the world. I follow the word. And tragically, we live in a day and age when whole congregations are not following the word. They're following the world. I learned from church history, when your country goes crazy morally and ethically, Follow the word and not the world. 
Next lesson I learned from church history. Be faithful during Reformation. Many people died to reform the church. In, 15, excuse me, in 1415, the Pope ordered John Huss's body to be dug up so it could be burned. The same year, uh, uh, John Huss, church reformer, was burned at the stake. And in 1521, when Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms refused to recant the teaching that we're saved by grace alone, we should follow the Bible as our supreme authority, he thought he was going to die for that, and he very well may have, except his friends kidnapped him, took him to hide out for on a year at Wartburg Castle. But because these people were willing to suffer for their faith, we have the gospel of grace today. So let me ask you the question. Are you willing to suffer for the sake of reformation? Maybe there's something in your personal life you need to reform, and that'll in involve some suffering on your part. Or maybe there's something in your family that needs reformation, or in your church, or in your nation. Are you willing to suffer for the sake of, of reformation? There's a church in Nebraska. Connected to the church is a church school. The principal of this church school was molesting children for years. Well, the church next door gets a new pastor, and this church runs the school. The new pastor discovers what's happening, and he deals with the situation. And when he dealt with the situation, the principal committed suicide. Some of the people of the church got mad at the pastor for dealing with the situation. I think that pastor is a saint. And you know what he's done? He stayed in that church amidst all the hostility. God bless him for that. And maybe God is calling for you to reform something in your own life or in your church life. Are you willing to suffer for reformation? Fifth lesson that I get from church history. Be faithful during heresy. I recently spoke in Florida at a church which was having a conference on same-sex attraction. That's been my struggle in life, is the, the temptation toward homosexuality. And I got up and I preached, and I said the behavior is a sin, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Romans 1, etc. And so for the sake of Christ, I say no to that stuff. Well, afterwards, there were some angry grandmas. Overwhelmingly, people appreciated it and were definitely on the Bible side. This was a good church. But three women, older women, were upset with me. And one comes up, just mad as she goes, my grandson's a homosexual. And, and I, I tried to be polite and kind to her and, 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 and deal with her. But you know what I thought of? So? Your grandson's a homosexual. Okay, so that must make it right. I mean, I said to her, this is my struggle in life. It's still wrong. Look, just because your uh, daughter is committing a fornication with her boyfriend doesn't make fornication right. And you know what? That grandma is not helping her grandson by telling her it's okay. She's hurting him by doing that. We live in a day of heresy. And, and what I learned from church history is if the whole world, if even the church is telling you something is right, when the Bible says it's wrong, you stick with the Word of God because this comes from Jesus and the apostles. Well, let's sum this up. Are you being persecuted right now for your faith? God bless you. Christians were persecuted for the first 300 years. How are you handling prosperity? in your life. I hope you're giving money to the Lord. What about 
moral chaos the dark ages we're in right now, if God is calling you to take a stand, take a stand. And then lastly, be faithful for reformation. Be faithful during a day of heresy because when you're faithful to the Lord, ultimately you're going to win. I close with this. There was a collie dog who had a master who was killed in a car accident. The collie watched as her master was put into a coffin, lowered down into a grave, and soil put on top of it. Years later, somebody said this. I can't remember a single day in the last eight years that King hasn't gone to be in the cemetery. The dog usually lies on Angelo's grave a little while, then comes home. When the dog is tied up, he breaks ropes, he pulls down posts to get to go to his master's grave once a day. And I read that and I thought, I want to be that kind of Christian. When the whole world has gone crazy, I want to go back to my master, back to what Jesus said, and let me go to this every day and not care too much what the world is saying. That is what I learned from church history. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, since you talked about church history, is there a book that you'd recommend for Christians mm -hmm. to read about church history? I read a great book in seminary. It's easy to read. It's, it's one volume like this, but it starts with the day Jesus rose from the dead, and it goes all the way through the present age. It's called The History of the Christian Church by Williston Walker. Williston Walker. Uh, you can order it, I believe, or just, but there's lots of good church history books. Just go to a Christian bookstore, go to the history section, and say, is there a good one volume on the whole Christ history of the Christian church? Every Christian, I think, should read that. Okay. Well, I guess when you say every Christian should read those kind of books and mm -hmm. that, why should Christians have to know about church history when we're in this day and age? Well, you know, uh, if you, the old saying, if you don't know history, it repeats itself. If those who do not know history repeat it. And so if you don't, I mean, for instance, the reason we have cults is because some people don't know the history of the church and know how the church had to come together, study scripture, come up with the Trinity and the Nicene Creed from reading all of the scripture. And if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. I think that's, that's the, the phrase. Okay, so are you saying there were things wrong with the early Christian church? That That's the other thing you learn. The church has been messed up from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> but the Lord's been with it the whole time. So there, every age has, has a mess in the church. Okay, well then I guess my next question would be, have there been true Christians in the church throughout church history? Yeah. Now and then you, learn, you read of a Christian denomination whose history they say begins in 1850, like there were no Christians on earth till their prophet came along. That's a cult. And I believe Jesus promised that uh, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And Jesus promised to give the Holy Spirit to the church. I believe there have been true Christians on earth ever since day one. Even when things got awful in the Middle Ages, there was all kinds of heresy and, and things needed to be reformed. I still think there were Christians around, and, and there were. Yeah. So then are you, has the gospel ever really been lost? Or it's totally lost? I think, I, now this is my opinion, Catholics will disagree with me, but things got really bad in the 
1400s, early 1500s with the church selling indulgences, a purgatory, you know, pay money and we'll get grandma out of purgatory. So the church hit a low spot at that point, and I think God raised up people to reform the church. But I'm not willing to say that there weren't true Christians in the Catholic Church at that point. I think there were. Okay. Well, you talked about Reformation. What actually started the Reformation? You yeah. mentioned indulgences. And right. Well, you know what happened? Martin Luther was a Catholic monk. He wanted to know if he was saved, and he always knew at the end of the day, I'm not good enough. So a Catholic, fellow Catholic monk by the name of um, Staupitz said, Luther, read Paul's epistle to the Romans. And Luther is reading the book of Romans, and he rediscovers, we're not saved by being good enough for trying real hard. We're saved by Christ on the cross, by the grace of God alone. That changed Luther's life. He didn't leave the Catholic Church. He expected to stay Catholic, and he did for a while until he was thrown out. Luther didn't leave the Catholic Church. He was thrown out because he preached against indulgences and buying salvation and, and some of these things. So actually, the, the Protestant Reformation began with one Catholic monk reading his Bible. That's what sparked it. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you talk about heresy. <coughs> Pastor Brock, has the church ever had as much heresy as it does today? I've got to tell you, I've read church history. I don't know that we've ever been as messed up as we are right today. That's kind when, of was my thinking. You've never had the Christian church do gay marriage, ever. You know, and you know who put an end to abortion? It was the Christian church. It was, there was abortion in the Roman Empire. It was the Christians that got rid of abortion. Now you've got Christian denominations paying for abortion. When you've got seminary professors teaching that everybody goes to heaven, there is no hell, whereas Jesus said, you bet there's a hell. I mean, Jackie, I don't know of any time in the history of the church when things have been so heretical as today. Tom, we haven't done a heresy update. What are some of the really new heresies that we're hearing now that are getting so upsetting? Uh, I, there is a, a ELCA Lutheran pastor by the name of Nadia Bowles-Weber, and she preached at Central Lutheran in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, sh she was speaking at a conference or something. She used the F word. I, I read part of her book. She calls the disciples 12 F-ups. She doesn't believe Jesus died on the cross in our place to pay for our sins to save us from the wrath of God. She thinks that's divine child abuse. And she's a pastor in the ELCA, one of the favorite speakers, Jackie. How did the, she become a pastor without uh, accepting the uh, teaching? Because there, there's a professor at Wartburg Seminary, an ELCA seminary, who teaches Jesus did not die on the cross to save us from the wrath of God. You've got professors teaching that. So Jackie, those are some of the more recent things. Tragic. And it's not just the ELCA Lutherans. The United Church of Christ is even worse. The Episcopal Church is even worse, but a close third is the ELCA Lutheran Church. What does a Christian do if they start hearing these heresies mm -hmm. from their yeah. I think pastor? If, you know, have a loving, kind talk alone with your pastor. But I, I get these kind of calls. You know, Pastor, my church will not leave the ELCA, and do I stay with it? And I tell them, time has come to leave. There are other, if you're a Lutheran, you go to Missouri Synod, or you go with a group called LCMC, or the Association of Free Lutheran, there's a Free Association of Free Lutheran Churches. There are good, even uh, for Presbyterians, uh, for Episcopalians, there are good alternatives. You don't have to stay in, the, in what tends to be the larger, more liberal body. So did God intend for this division to happen yeah. to our church today? No, he didn't, because Jesus' big prayer in John 17, the longest prayer of Jesus, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying for God that God would keep us one. And sadly, uh, the church has had divisions ever since the beginning. <laughs> so, but we, we, we should pray for unity, but it's, it's been a problem. You talk about the need for Christian fellowship. Can someone actually be a Christian without having a church? I wouldn't risk it. When somebody says to me, well, I can be a Christian without going to church, my response is, can you quote that verse for me? Where does it say in the Bible you can be a Christian without the church? And I quote to them Hebrews 10, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another. Without the encouragement of the church, I don't know that you'd make it. I encourage any, anybody watching this show, if you haven't joined a good Bible church, find a good church, go every Sunday, or uh, we need the church. So we've talked about this before. When you say this about finding a good church, how does a person go about finding good. that good, good church? Here's my spiel. Uh, well, it doesn't change. Well, it doesn't change. <laughs> You've heard this a hundred times, Jackie. If you're church shopping because you want to join a biblical church and you don't know is this a good church or a bad church, and sometimes they, sometimes it's sound. You know, the liberal churches and the heretical churches still talk about Jesus, so it can be tricky. So it's easy. Here's what you do. The pastor's shaking hands. You shake the pastor's hand and say, Pastor, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? I'm thinking of joining here. And, just, and then you take the pastor's side and, Pastor, just a few questions. Does, does this church believe there's a heaven and a hell? Pastor, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Uh, Pastor, do you believe the Bible is the highest authority, the inspired word of God? Pastor, tell me what you believe about things like the virgin birth of Christ. Do you think that happened? And then, Pastor, what's your view on homosexual marriage, abortion, etc.? And Jackie, if you get good, clear answers, of course we believe in the virgin birth. Of course, well, then you join the church. If you get, that's a complex issue for which I don't know that there's an answer, you want to find another church. Okay, Pastor Brock, what if a person doesn't like to memorize? And you, you say we have to be up on what scripture to quote when. Mm -hmm. Is there any other way to learn scripture? Well, or? you know, Jackie, I heard a pastor say that he does not know one mature Christian who doesn't memorize the Bible. And that one kind of hit me. So, I mean, I, I, I have Bible verses that I've memorized. To be honest, I personally don't like memorizing, but you know what I do instead? Um, here's my iPhone, Jackie. You can get a, a, an app called Bible.is, and it's free, and you just push the button, and when I can't sleep at night, it reads the Bible to me. And so I listen to the Bible a lot, and, and people think I memorize the Bible a lot because I kind of rattle things off. I don't, but I listen to it a lot so I can quote it without memorizing it. <laughs> so Bible.is, and I just encourage people to, to do that. There you go. Okay, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Music